The truth is, I don't even like running. I mean, y'all know that anyway, but I love the feeling of pushing myself and giving my training a real purpose. That's why I like to do things like Spartan races. They are the perfect tests of all-around athleticism. They have 5K, 10Ks, even halves and ultras, but with obstacles along the way, even throwing spears. Cardio meets strength and purpose. Try it out. Use code SPARTANDAD, and you can get 25% off any Spartan race. It'd be fun. Let me know you're doing it. I'll go try and do one with you. It's a lot of fun. It's a great time. Use code SPARTANDAD for 25% off a race. Have fun plans for the outdoors? Make the memories last with the best outdoor coolers and drinkware. Celebrating 10 years of cool, Orca was founded in 2012, born from the idea of making a hard-sided cooler that beat out all the rest. Orca coolers are built to be as strong as the adventures you take them on. That's why they have a lifetime warranty while giving you world-class maximum temperature retention. Orca's drinkware offers the same high quality, keeping your drinks icy cold or hot for hours, and they look great while doing it. Their stainless steel vacuum-sealed tumblers and martini cup are perfect companions for your next outdoor adventure. Go to orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off your order. That's orcacoolers.com backslash bourbon for 15% off. Orca, make it last. Today's show is also sponsored by our friends at distilleryproducts.com. If you are a store, you're a group, you're a blog, you're a podcast, you're a distillery, whatever it is, you need laser edge glassware at wholesale prices. Reach out to me. I'd be happy to get you in touch with the whole family behind distilleryproducts.com doing amazing things. We use them. You should too at distilleryproducts.com. Everyone. My name is John Edward. Zeke Baker is on assignment, and together we make the Dad's Drink of Bourbon. Wherever you are, whatever time it is, thank you for making us a part of your day. My new friend, Glenn, Glenn Sauer from Village Garage Distillery in Vermont. Welcome to Dad's Drink of Bourbon. We're just getting right into it, but I'll, I'll tell you a, a code word after you say hi. Hey, man. Oh, there you are. Now, Glenn, for people that don't know, Village Garage is a distillery in Vermont that you started a couple years ago. How many distilleries are there in Vermont, and what made y'all start one? Uh, there's got to be 14 or 15, if I was to guess, you know, offhand quick. We actually, it was kind of just a joke, Christmas Eve dinner, 2018. Uh, my partner, Matt Cushman, and I, which is actually my wife's uncle, um, we were at family dinner at his sister's, Aunt Donna's, having a drink before dinner and just small talk led into, you know, how's life, what's going on, and I was in a place with my day job where I was just kind of over it. And I, I joked that I was going to tap all the maple trees and pull as much sap as I could and figure out how to <laughs> ferment and distill and make maple white lightning and be an outlaw and sling moonshine out of the trunk of my 54 sedan. But that wasn't very realistic. So, uh, you know, we joked about it through dinner and uh, had a couple more drinks. And, you know, we just kept talking about it Christmas morning. I think Matt beat the kids up the stairs here at my house. <laughs> and, you know, he's like, I didn't sleep last night. He's like, yeah, me either. And uh, we just, you know, we kind of went for it. We, you know, the day after Christmas, I knew where the property, there was a property that was available, which, which was the old highway department here in the center of our small town here in Bennington, Vermont. And it was setting vacant. It was a 19, mid-1940s bill, you know, post-war. And I went and took a look at it. 
she was like, yeah, let's, let's do this. And I, I text my wife a picture. She was with Matt and showed it to him. And he's like, yeah, let's do this. You know? So we both got really excited. And I want to say we had a makeshift business plan and an LLC form by the first of the year, we put a bid on the building. It went out for a public bid. And I think it was like January 9th. Yeah. We just dropped our heads and went for it. And is that when you realize how hard it is to actually start a distillery? Like it, it's one of yeah. those things. Everybody sits around with each other like, oh man, yeah. we should start a distillery. And then you look into what's actually involved and it's like, oh, that shit's hard. No, it was still fun at that point. Not that it isn't fun now, <laughs> but no, we were still, you know, we were just, you know, we started going on tours and seeing other distilleries and researching equipment and, and just, I mean, I ran on adrenaline for three years, just buzzed, you know, just hopped up trying to get this done. And uh, we went around and we looked at equipment and we looked at some German stuff. We looked at some American stuff and it looked like everybody that was set up with 250 setups were all upsizing and going to an American 500 gallon. So, you know, our 250 plan turned into, well, let's just, let's just start at 500 and doesn't work out well we've got equipment everyone seems to want right now so we uh we went with the bend dome and uh nothing but good to say robbing those guys down there it's top notch they're craftsmen you know you're so lucky you got Vendome now because i mean i think there's like a two or three year waiting list at this point yeah, it, was 11, it was 11 months back then and i remember like i couldn't fathom that it was going to take us 11 months to do the build out like i just didn't see that you know, and they, and it was over, it was, you know, it ended up being almost three years to get, to get the doors open. It's every day's a learning event and it's all good. You are a hundred percent right though, because I, there are so many craft distilleries that start and the first thing they do, and, and you understand like it's a process and, and you're either sourcing whiskey in the beginning to, to get things going, or you're putting out a clear spirit, you know, you've done a little bit of both, but at the same time, you need some money to come in because it costs so much up front to get the, the distillery going. There's all this stuff like you start on a smaller still because you're like, okay, this is cheaper. I can get things going. I could start making some money. And then you look at it and you're like, oh, I might need a bigger boat quicker than I think I need a bigger boat. And you at least had the foresight to be like, you know what? We might not fill the cruise ship today, but let's go ahead and get it. When we step back and looked at it, these guys had to replace their boilers. They had to replace their chillers. I mean, it's not just like you upsize a still, it's everything. So we kind of came together with a business plan, know what we wanted to do, you know, annually, you know, hopefully four or five years down the road. And we, we just sized everything to do, you know, what we wanted, you know, for our, our end game, where we want to be in the size we want to be. It was going to be more initially, but we won't have the downtime and you know the transformation we're doing a barrel a day five barrels a week some weeks we only do four but for the most part we do you know four four to five barrels a week that's not bad and then do you have enough storage because i know it is the old highway department building are you doing are you doing portable container storage or are you doing something else or how's that working for you right now we can fit about 240 barrels in the back half you know, the back third of the building and we're about four months out from running out of space there so i've got four months to find i've got a, we've got a plan and then we just it needs to get executed but now we kind of have a gun to our head because other than doing some containers temporarily we've got about four months and we're full 
I think that is one of the biggest problems I hear from so many distilleries all the time, especially here in Tennessee. I mean, you think about the way Tennessee works. You know, Jack has a lot of storage. Cascade Hollow has a lot of storage. You have some of these folks now in East Tennessee that are are starting to build facilities. You know, BR Distilling in Memphis was smart enough to basically buy an old warehouse, so they have a whole bunch of room. But like, there's tons of places that just have you know portable containers outside. That's where they're storing it, and and that's I think the biggest thing. They're renting at Jack. They're renting at Dickel. They're renting space everywhere. I swear, I think like. If you were to just go to the people of Vermont, the other distilleries would be like, listen, I'm going to build a Rick house. I'm going to build a whole giant Rick. And you just become like the, the public storage of whiskey. I think you could make your money back and start to pay for some of your distillery yeah, at the same time. That sounds good. We do have land. We do have land about four miles away from the distillery. There's some family land. So there is a plan. Just... We're not quite there yet. And it's going to take longer than four months to, to do not it. Not in my mind. Not yet. <laughs> so. Well, you were saying the monotony of your job beforehand. What was your job before you started to open up a distillery? Boy, we were a family business. We were like the second oldest business in the state of Vermont for years. We were uh, construction. Uh, I was a crane operator for 20 years, rigging. Being in a family construction business, I had my first welder at like 12, you know, hard face buckets and, you know, you just, you kept things going. You, you just, you know, so that was ingrained in me as a little kid, but we had sold that back in 2011. And then I ended up being like an R&D guy at another place where we did military, we did transportation, we did ballistic armor and then train. It was just transportation and military stuff, welding and fabrication. And basically blueprints would come in and I would be the, you know, with the team of us, we would, you know, I would be the guy basically that would help build the first article. And then it would go into how do we get it where it's repeatable and, and scalable and, and mass. Yeah. yeah. And you know, our life was half a degree and 0.2 of a millimeter. You know, that's where I hung out. And the other thing too, is it was like, I was a translator between the right brains and left brains. You know, you had the CAD people in the office that would draw it and look great on paper but then you had the welders out in the fab shop that were getting you know warped metal and being told to you know weld it flat so it's funny you say that and not to i mean that's exactly my job in technology is i'm the go between the business and the developers and i get it you know i i know it's it's completely different job but it's the same job at the same time and being that go between is always translate yeah, and and uh, and the good thing with that though is you can kind of make it where not everybody's going to be upset with you, you know, because either side is doing so. You're like, listen, I'm just the one who's here to help. You know what I mean? Yeah, trying to keep everything moving. Is that how you got into your other love? Because you, know, we were talking about this before I hit record, but you're big into hot rods and you do some restoration and you I'm a car guy I'm to a fault. Like we live in a firehouse in the middle of the woods. You know, we've got a nine acre lawn. We live in a firehouse. There's a fire pole from the dining room down to the office. Uh, we built, I built it 21 years ago. So we've got a full hot rod fab shop downstairs and you know, motorcycles heavily into the truck world. 
all that stuff and all that fabrication stuff segued into when we built the distillery. So there's a lot of that flavor from, you know, I used to work 40 hours at my day job so I could work another 40 hours doing the stuff that I really loved and, and creating and building things. And then when Matt and I started the distillery, I was still dirty. You know, it was good. I was just creating and building different things. It's cool. You get to keep it uh, garage themed. So you're getting to incorporate things that you love into the decor and all that stuff, right? Yeah, but that's a weird, that's a double-edged sword because I was finally like, I'm not going to have the word garage on my t-shirt anymore. Like I might have some clean clothes now because we're going to do this distillery. I was kind of trying to, you know, I had my other shop was called Sours Garage and, you know, I've always had a burned up t-shirt on with that on it. But as we were doing this project, we were trying to come up with names and local history and and what are we going to call this? What's the brand? And everything kept revolving back to the story with the history of the property. The property was called the Village Garage. It was the highway department that kept our little town, it kept the village of our town going. And people just kept saying, guys, you know, people make up stuff all the time in this industry. You have a real story. This is the real thing. This is history right here. You know, run with it. It's the Village Garage. That's where that all came from. And it has to make people around there really be proud that you restored the building, brought it back, just like you'd restore a car. It has to make them proud that like that's a piece of the village, and now other people are getting to hear about it through y'all having a distillery and going out and getting the bourbon from the garage. Yeah, I hope so. You know, we're we're really just trying to do things as as, as good as we can, the best we can. And you know, at the end of the day, it's just tradesmen, craftspeople. They're just proud of their 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 crap. I mean, right down to the woodwork. Everything we did there is when you pull in the parking lot, you can feel like, wow, people care. And right into our head distiller, Ryan, he's the same thing. I mean, he just loves what he does. He's so into it. So I have to ask, I mean, that's the the logical next question. I'm glad. It's almost like I paid you to make this segue so good. <laughs> <laughs> but you have the garage, you have the still. You are starting to build everything out. You're starting to restore it. But then, you know, you're not somebody who can actually go in and distill this yourself. So then the question becomes, A, am I going to learn how to do this? Or B, am I going to find somebody that can come in and do it for me? How did you and Matt come up with that? And then how did you decide on Ryan when all was said and done? It was, I mean, everything just kind of happens. Like I said, every day is a learning event. As we were building, we had some consultants down in Kentucky that we worked with, a guy named Mike Vaughn, and nothing but good to say. Uh, Mike helped us with flow and equipment and safety. And as we got to the point where we needed to get a distiller, we Matt and I looked at each other and realized, you know, we've got to do something. So we put an ad out Indeed, and we got a lot of interesting hits. And we had some people come in, come meet us, and uh, Ryan came up from Philadelphia. And yeah, he hasn't left. <laughs> He's still here. So he, he thinks he's a Vermonter. He's got like 15 months in right now. So he's working on it. But he's, he really does a, a, you know, a really amazing job. He comes up to you every morning with a pint of Ben and Jerry's and says like, Hey man, I'm a local. <laughs> no, he's not quite there yet, but no, he's a, uh, you know, he's big into motorcycles too, skateboarder. You know, he's in the Philly area. What I love about him is you know, when I'm looking at the press release from a couple years ago, actually, when you first opened up, it says, uh, Ryan is also a certified electrician who has worked in manufacturing and customizing distillation equipment. Let's be honest. I mean, a big 
plus side to him was that you were going to save money in other areas if you had him be the distiller, right? Well, yes and no. He, I mean, he I'm giving him a little hell for, you know. Yeah, no, he, we had our electricians. He kind of put a line in the sand with electrical because of Vermont. He was licensed down there and not up here. Uh, I'm careful not to, not to overreach and overstep, you know, so it's... But no, he runs, he, he, he does a great job. It's like, hey, Ryan, you know, if you want to get certified up here, we could help. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but no, I mean, that makes sense. I, I also think it's really cool. You know, I've had so far the bonfire and I've had the bourbon. And I know that Ryan's definitely the one to talk to about that stuff a little bit more, but you did something interesting that I think you can at least talk about from a business point of view. So you knew you weren't going to have stuff ready to go right in the beginning. Vendome was taken 11 months. We know all that. You actually went to another distillery and had them contract distill for you. Did you find that pretty easy or, you know, what happened there? We did with the rye. The rye we had done local. Matt reached out and found somebody. We you know, both went down and a couple of meetings. So we had rye being made as we needed. And the other stuff, the bourbon and the whiskey that we had had was actually another distillery in, in Vermont. So it was Vermont grains, Vermont corn, distilled in Vermont, aged in Vermont. And the barrels were even sourced from a couple of veterans up in northern Vermont that had a cooperage. And when we purchased it, it was about two, two and a half years old. While we were building, we had, you know, some stuff to go, you know, the the day we got ready to go. But by the time we got open, it was, you know, knocking on five years old already. And the rest of it, you know, is still getting aged. And then some of the stuff we got was still in clear. Um, So as we did, we literally, we go to the same farms. We're buying the same corn, the same rye, the same malster. Everything's And we're just continuing on, you know, the recipe. We like it. We're happy with it. And we're not going to rock that boat. Are you able to say what the recipe is or, you know, you guys keeping that tight Uh, to the head? No, it's a 60 corn, 40 rye. Oh, that's a, so no barley in there. It's just corn and rye. We have done, Ryan has done some special, you know, single cask stuff. He's got set aside where he has, but no, this is 60, 40 and it's, so the interesting thing that I will say about the bourbon and, and as I was kind of sipping on it, I was like, man, there is a good deal of pine on this. Like there, there, but it's not, I find it interesting that there's not a lot of rye spice. Like I get the pine note, but I'm not getting the rye tingle and I'm not getting any burn. I know I don't have it on here. Do you know what the proof is on the bourbon? 90. We 90. Did it 90. Okay. I mean, we kind of talked, but we didn't want to scare away the weekend warrior, but we didn't want to piss off the purist either. No, that's fair. That's always a good place to start, especially, you know, what's one that's approachable for people and a good solid drinker. And, you know, you have it priced at at 60. So, you know, you're not saying it's going to be the ultra premium cast rank that's going to be up in price a little bit more. I think for a craft distillery that's starting out, grains cost a little bit more for you. Whiskey costs a little bit more for you. And eventually, you know, if you get... There's a shortage on everything. Whatever you're looking for, there's a shortage on. Yeah. seems like the last... This is pricing y'all for people that make five barrels a week. The people that make 50, 500 barrels a week, they get the better deals on everything. Yeah. So let's, let's yeah. just be honest here. I really, I, 
find it to be an incredible drinker just because it it has a little like it's this weird hybrid it, it, it it's not a full boo rye where you know it's 50 percent bourbon 50 percent rye but you have a lot of those rye notes in there but i'm not getting any like it's crazy i don't get the tingle like it just goes down super easy smooth scary I do like it. The rye kind of kicks in at the end a little bit more, though. Like, I think um, towards the end of it is where I'll actually get that rye spice that kicks up and almost raises back up. The finish doesn't necessarily go down the back of my throat, which I find interesting. It actually comes up to the roof of my mouth. And I always find those pours to be super unique. But good job with that. And then tell me a little bit about this bonfire. It's the other thing I have. I swear I taste it and I'm like, this is a campfire. It's well, so here's the deal. Some of the whiskey, the same batch of whiskey when we sourced it, it was the same mash bill with second use barrels. It was it was the same 60-40. And it was in the, you know, when we all we got into it, it was it was we waited till it hit the five-year mark. And it was just the color was a little light. But the flavor was there and it was just kind of weird. And we have what's called a garlic town that sets up here in our local town. And it's a big, our whole town sets up this garlic festival. And that was like the first weekend we kind of opened to the public without being open. We had brown paper bags and sold bottles out the back door legally for the first time. (laughs) And at the end of garlic town, I got a friend, his name Sugar Bob, and he was set up. And we were we were drinking some bourbon and we, we were looking at the whiskey and I was like, boy, I wish we could do a just a hint of maple, not hide the whiskey, but just just a just a touch, just a little bit. And, you know, we joked about it and he goes, why don't we try my smoked maple? So we Monday, we you know beelined it to meet each other, got Ryan involved and we did a bunch of different cuts and we wanted we didn't want to hide the whiskey at all. It's still whiskey. I mean, it tastes it's still right there, but it. Well, the way we've got it, it's just got a little sweetness on the nose. And have you tried it yet? I did. I have it right here. Yeah. So you'll get a little sweetness on the nose and about two or three seconds in, you'll get smoke that'll rumble right up around your back teeth. And then it'll just kind of settle in and be warm down, down, down through your chest and hang. It's like chairlift. This is something you'd, you'd, you'd take the flask and go skiing with it at like two o'clock, have a little warm up or, or we joked about it. I was like, this is what we would drink neat right out of the bottle pre COVID style and pass around a campfire. It and totally is a campfire. I mean, it's one of those ones where bonfire though, we didn't dare. We didn't want to use the word campfire because it's used elsewhere. But up here, we even joked about using pallet fire because we used to you know, <laughs> we'd, we'd grab a truck, grab a whole load of pallets from wherever you could find them, go to a dead end road and touch them off and hope the fire department would show up and we'd drink all night. You know, when we were kids, we didn't know if the rest of the country would understand that, <laughs> you know, the term pallet fires that we, we went with bonfire. I mean, they don't necessarily, and and what people don't understand, I mean, where are you in the state? Southwest corner. Okay. We're like three miles from New York State, and I could be in Massachusetts in 15 minutes, 10 minutes. Oh, you're in that good part. I mean, where you're you're kind of able to get everywhere. We could be in New York City in three hours. I could be at Fenway Park in two and a half. Montreal is three and a half up the road. Albany, New York, and Saratoga, under an hour west of us. So it's a nice little location. I will reserve all my stories uh, from being 18 in Montreal till after we get off this podcast. But it is a place where a lot of 18-year-olds in New England find their way up to Montreal. (laughs) Never did it. (laughs) (laughs) That I'm talking about. 
here. The bonfire, though, you're a hundred percent right, and and I think you are right that not everybody would understand it. What I was going to say is, like in Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, there are some areas you where there's not a lot of people, and it's very easy for you. It, it's like being out in the sticks down here in the south. Like nobody's really watching if you take a whole bunch of pallets and go down to the end of a road yeah. and, and burn them. But I'm fifty two, and this is something. If I was going to a birthday party. For for some of my, my, you know, my good friends, I would grab a bottle. We would sit in the backyard around a contained fire pit. And, I could see you being. <laughs> yep. You are also a dad around bourbon because your son is jumping and doing dances behind you. Uh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> so it's completely it's okay. Now I've got a ten-year-old and twelve-year-old, so I've got to be like a B-plus student all the time. I can't. You know, I'm surrounded by the alcohol, but I don't get to enjoy it much because baseball practice, literally camp, you know, you're, you're, you're just constantly, you know, you're on call. And I will tell you, even people like with us and the podcast, people think that like, are you drinking every night? If I'm putting out content on social media, it's like, no, I will make sure I get pictures done over the weekend. Like I know that there's a time and a place. And even if I am drinking like during the week, I wait. It's like I'm having these pours with you now. I'm probably not going to finish the whole thing, but I. it's also my daughter's in bed. It's after nine o'clock, but until nine o'clock, I have to be on. It's like, I can't afford to be drinking because it's like i'm doing the bath i'm doing you know i'm making dinner i'm taking the dogs out i'm doing all this stuff it's like you don't have a lot of time to go be like you know what i think i'm just gonna go take a rip out of this bottle right now like it's just not happening it's not a luxury you know yeah about 12 years ago i had to grow up (laughs) like overnight it happens and it's it's so worth it it is manual (laughs) there's no owner's manual and i just told like somebody asked on our instagram the other day and they were talking about like do you have any advice Uh, i'm also a girl dad because i I am a girl dad and um Mm -hmm. do you have any advice as my daughter gets a little bit older because i think their daughter was still months and i just said just make sure they they are fed (laughs) you know they're fed and they sleep i was like all kids are lawyers at bedtime your kid will find a routine, you'll get into it for a little bit, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they'll decide to change it. So, like, just yes. be prepared to be agile. And yes. that's pretty much it. Like, there's there's no right instruction book because your kids basically tell you. Like, I always tell people when, uh, oops, I just dropped something. I just tell people all the time, like, when they're about to have kids, the couple's pregnant, like, do you have any advice for me? I'm like, yeah, don't listen to everybody else's advice. Your kid will tell you what they like and don't like. But I will just say, don't go buy one brand of bottle before yeah. they're born. You got to buy one of every one, have the kid try it, and then they'll let you know which one they like. Don't be like, all right, I'm going to go buy 18 of this bottle so that they have, like, if the kid doesn't like it, you're screwed. Yes. No, I get it. No, it's, it's, I, it's a ride every day. I wouldn't change it for the world. It's, you know, it's the hardest thing I've ever done and the most rewarding thing I've ever done. Now, do they understand the distillery and and you go over there? Are they getting interested in, and not like 
trying it and I'm, I'm not trying to go there but do they find it no, cool no. like in the whole distillation process and the science behind it and stuff not so much there yet just the whole the whole thing they're there every day you know they they come in and check or after school you know they go to the catholic school right around the corner it's two blocks away and they walk over in the afternoon and you know it's everybody knows the boys are coming and mom picks them up when she gets out of work and they volley the park a lot next to us on sunday so they play you know they're there they're yeah it's part of their life well let's be honest because i didn't talk about it yet and this is probably a, a good way i mean i want to talk about the whiskeys that you have coming down the line but like there is a pretty killer restaurant there too i could see why the boys would want to walk over after school and just go sit down and like maybe get a snack yeah <laughs> yeah we've, we've we've got a really good chef and a really good team um we're putting out food we're actually our spent mash is going there's a farmer bill comes over and uh he picks it up on friday or saturday mornings and we're feeding fda approved angus beefers and he's 22 miles away so he's feeding the beefs with the spent mash. The beef goes through, ends up back in the kitchen, and and right back. It's the circle of life. It's right there. So we're, we're serving the meat we're feeding. Is it still the menu? I mean, because it basically said highlights of the menu are you have a bourbon mac, a house poutine, a charcuterie board, grown-up grilled cheese, bourbon cask roasted salmon, and bourbon bread pudding. Are there burgers and stuff on the grill? That Yeah, smash burgers. The smash burgers are all from the from the beefers the menu evolves you know quarterly seasonal they just put a summer line out the summer drink menu just came out i mean ryan's even making his own liqueurs you know you'll come in the dehydrator be going it'll be raspberries or strawberries or he's grinding coffee beans out back you just you know he's always got a project going so it allows us to do some really cool things and use it as like a a proving ground for r&d i mean i think that's one of the things that I I always get jealous of the moonshiners out in East Tennessee where they could just do R&D so quickly. It's like, hey, let me just whip up a batch of this like banana bread or banana pudding moonshine and see if people like it. And it's like they can instantly distill it, instantly tell if the people like it or not. It's like, yeah, maybe I should keep making that. You know, like it's really a, a fortunate thing to have. But going back to your whiskey, you're now starting to make more of it your own. Are you still going to supplement with some of those other distilleries as? No, we we did our first initial purchase and got us going and I mean, Ryan has been laying barrels down now almost 14 months. We started off at two the first week, then three. Then we we ran four barrels a week for a long time. And then we hit five and we do everything right in-house. We bottle, heat shrink, package. It's it's every label is, you know, hand numbered by <laughs> Todd or Shane or, or Ryan or whoever else was it, you know, in-house that day. It's three guys out back. You know, some days it would be, you know, where I've had to go, me and Todd would go get the corn and hold the super sacks up. And, you know, it would come out of the silo and fill up corn and bring it back. Call one of my buddies at night and be like, hey, I need you to run to central Vermont and go get a trailer load of rye tonight. You know, can you sneak up after work? Oh, that's so awesome. It's, it's, but it's all hands on deck and it, it does. Oh, yeah. It does take it's, a village. But Yeah. I mean, you you have two awesome people. You know, you have Chef Jonathan Studley, who's running the kitchen, and then Ryan. I can't even say Ryan's last name. Will you help me with Shezbol? this? I think I can do it. Sheswell. Sheswell. Yeah. 
Sorry, Ryan, if I butchered it, but the chaise wall is, is, I think, how you... If I got it wrong, Ryan, I, I really apologize. Now, you have the bourbon, you have the bonfire. What is next? Because I know there's some other stuff that's coming out too, right? We've also got the 100% the rye. We do do a vodka. Ryan is from the gin world, so we do have, we've got a house gin. It's a uh, real citrus forward. During the holidays, he took, he had hit 50, I think he'd hit 50 barrels by Christmas, and we shut down and we cleaned all the equipment, clean, 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 clean. He decided to do his first run of gin out of There's a gin basket on the Vendome, and it came out real, like I said, citrus forward. But he ended up taking and he, he put, he took and uh, filled two new barrels and barrel rested for about five months, some of the gin. In turn, I think when we did our second blend, we usually do just four barrel blends. You know, go out, pick the barrels, and then every time we, you know, we bottle, it's, it's a four barrel blend. So we took, I think the second the second time we, we did a blend, he took two of the barrels and sent them up to Northern Vermont to a meadery. They rested some blood orange mead and two of our bourbon barrels. And it laid in it for about seven months. They got a hold of Ryan. He went back up. He grabbed them, and then he transferred his gin that he had barrel resting into these blood orange mead casks. He cleaned them out, and now they're resting in there. And we're hoping to have a holiday release. It's going to be Thanksgiving in a bottle, according to him. That is awesome. Christmas in a bottle sounds amazing, by the way. I yeah, I always kind of said Midwinter's Night's Dram from High West was my Christmas in a bottle, but if you found me a new Christmas in a bottle, I am a hundred percent game to try it out. Yeah, that's what he's that's what he's hoping for. I mean, he's done some other stuff. He's had some stuff. He's got a couple of single barrel runs that he's done every now and then. Usually every quarter, he's been doing something. You know, he's like, "What are you doing today? Don't worry about it. Well, thank me later." You know that type of thing. So. It's always fun to see what he's got going on. As far as where you could get it, I mean, especially putting out five barrels a week, this is not going to be nationwide distribution, y'all. So right now, I know there's a bunch of stores you can buy it in Vermont, but is there also some online stuff as well? Yep, there is online. I think 38 states we can ship to. Oh, that's great. And that's right on the website, thevillagegarage.com. The 802 Spirits around the state of Vermont, we just signed distribution in new hampshire so we're waiting for our first order massachusetts will be our next and then we're we're gonna go over new york is our next hit after that be careful because you're getting a whole lot of small states and then all of a sudden it's gonna be i mean even when you get to mass you know new hampshire is still an abc controlled state so it's a little bit easier but once you start getting down to like julio's down there in in worcester you're going to get people asking for barrel picks. It's all coming, right? All of this starts. Yeah. You're doing your four barrel uh, batches right now. People are going to be asking you as soon as you get in these other states, hey, when when can I do a barrel pick? When can I do a barrel pick? We've done one already. We had one company last year for their holiday gift. They came in. We pulled seven barrels. They picked through. They bought a barrel, and we went through all the labeling and all the colas and got them their own, and that was their holiday gift. They went all over the country with them. Oh. But, you know, they just bought a barrel and did everything for them. And yeah, so it's, we're excited about that stuff. I'm just warning you, we whiskey people can be tough. So just, <laughs> I'm preparing you now, just single barrels. It's a love hate relationship that's going to happen to you with them. Yeah. 
it's amazing for marketing. Like it does wonderful things for a brand marketing wise. People will post them on Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, all that kind of stuff. But then dealing with us can make you want to put your head through a wall. Everybody wants one. So you know that you're just kind of pissing some people off at some point because you don't have enough. Literally the size of your distillery right now, you could probably double again in a, in a couple, you know, you put in that still order now because. You know, no, no. Sticking to the plan. <laughs> I want to be able to answer the phone and still touch everything myself. I don't want to, I don't know. I just think we don't need to be the biggest, you know, this, we just want to do a good job and stay true to what we're doing and to the, to the craft and figure out how to stay solid. But that's refreshing to hear because it's also like people's first inclination is to go ahead and want to to grow and be bigger and distribution more places and more barrels and more aging and more stuff you could do. I feel like you at least have a pretty solid work-life balance where you know the bigger that you get. You're already kind of like, you're like, I got a 10 and 12 year old. Like my priority is them. Let's be honest. By the time you get to the point where they're out of the house, you're going to be hitting a certain age that you're not going to be like, man, I want to work harder right now. No, I was late to that party. Uh, And I was 39 when we had our first son and 41 when we had our second. So yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm not a kid. Oh man. Or on the calendar, I'm not a kid. We wish y'all the best and and we definitely want to hear from you again. We'll have you come on the show again, you know, sometime down the line so we could check in on the progress of everything you're doing, your your uh, expansion in the Northeast and uh hit me up when you come down here to Nashville. I know that you might be coming down again, but Glenn, it was a pleasure. Everybody go to villagegarage.com. That's villagegarage.com. That has all the information. You can buy it off their website in 30-something states. Tells you a little bit more about the brand. Glenn, thanks again. The Instagram and the Facebook, too. Got all that stuff going on. Yeah, you got to find them on the grams. I guess the last really note is... There is a, you know, there's a lot of other distilleries that have kind of paved the way up here in the state of Vermont for us. And we really want to just come in behind them and help firm up the foundation and really try to help Vermont maybe become, you know, whiskey category and be a real, you know, be looked at as a real thing. A hundred percent. Other craft people and trades and, and, you know, the other, you know, the beer, the, the syrup and everything else we've got going on up here, you know, we proud of what we do up here you just got to start up the vermont distillers guild and then you get a vermont whiskey trail and you get everything going takes time yeah <laughs> y'all can find us on facebook at dad drinking bourbon twitter at bourbon dads instagram at dad drinking bourbon please leave us an open and honest review just like we leave open and honest reviews about the whiskey we drink and you can go ahead and find us in nashville tennessee cheers see ya